and welcome to PCOM Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Jay Feldstein, and today we're talking with Dr. Stacy Fairley, Assistant Professor of Microbiology and Immunology at PCOM South Georgia. Dr. Fairley is joining us today to discuss the effects of COVID-19 on rural America. Since making its way into our country earlier this year, COVID-19 has devastated rural areas due to contributing factors such as under-resourced health systems, disproportionate rates of poverty and food insecurity, limited internet access, and economies largely built on essential industries and services. Dr. Fairley is an avid researcher. She focuses on the various aspects of nanoscience and nanotechnology. In particular, she's interested in intracellular trafficking of nanoparticles. Along with teaching microbiology and immunology at PCOM South Georgia, she is the faculty advisor for PCOM South Georgia's Science and Math Summer Academy, which encourages high school students to enter the healthcare field. Welcome, Dr. Fairley. Thank you, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So, thank you for being here with us today. I have a couple of questions for you. And the first one is, how has COVID-19 affected rural areas differently than urban areas? So in order to answer that question, you first have to define uh, what is rural. And rural is defined as any area where there's less than 25,000 people in the population. Um, about 14% of our nation's population resides in a rural area. So that's roughly around 46 million compared to the other 282 million people that reside in an urban or suburban area. So um, when you look at that, that brings on a, a whole other list of challenges that occurs in rural America as opposed to in, in urban America. One of the differences uh, that you'll see is household income. Uh, there's a distinct difference between how much money is brought in into a rural household as opposed to those in a metropolitan area. The poverty rate, uh, there's a distinct dis distinction between there. Um, so you can see where I'm going with this when it comes to rural America. Um, before COVID even hit the U.S., rural America was already hurting in those terms of income, uh, job stability, and things of that nature. And so COVID-19 has only exacerbated the problems that were already there prior to COVID coming. Um, rural populations tend to be less insured. Uh, they tend to have an older population. Uh, the individuals tend to also have underlying conditions. And, and I'll talk about the reason why we have these underlying conditions. Most of them is because of transportation to the hospital facilities. In the last 10 years, there have been over 130 hospitals that have closed in rural America. And then and I'm here in Georgia, seven out of those 137 of them have been in the state of Georgia alone. So now you have an individual that is sick and needs to go to a hospital, and so they need to travel. The U.S. Census Bureau reported that only 8.7% of the Americans said that they have access to cars. So we don't have Uber down here. We don't even have Lyft down here where I'm at in Moultrie. So now you have someone that is sick and they need to go to a hospital that may be 25 minutes or 30 minutes away. 
that causes them to delay their care. In addition to, if they have a neighbor or friend that has to take them to the hospital, there may be a pay associated with that. So now they need to pay this individual not only gas to take them to the hospital, but possibly their time for staying there four or five hours to be seen by a doctor. So that adds another added stress and it causes a person to really think whether or not they want to go to the doctors because of all of that. You have to travel. The person has to wait on you. You might have to pay the person. And this is all before you associate the cost that's associated with even going to the doctors, paying a co-payment if you have insurance. And you have to think about those things. Uh, again, like I said, rural America tends to be um, have a higher poverty rate than urban areas. So individuals are not working um, as much or making as much as those in the urban area. So those socioeconomic determinants that are uh, that were here prior to the pandemic have, have only been highlighted to the pen, um, as a result of the pandemic. And as I stated earlier, that includes access to healthcare, um, travel getting to and from the hospital. Um, and in the midst of all of this, we have telemedicine, which has been extremely useful. But again, most of the individuals in rural America don't have internet. So telemedicine isn't ideal for rural America. and um, we now have the uh, Affordable Care Act that has now included that telemedicine or that bandwidth component. So to ensure that people in rural America do get access to healthcare. So originally when COVID-19 hit, it was, I mean, the focus was on these metropolitan areas, which is rightly so, you have a greater population. So you have more people that are getting sick, more people that are dying, and there was little focus on rural America. Um, and so now we didn't get access to the test as rapidly because they were all in New York or in these metropolitan areas where you have a greater population. But now we do have access to the test. Um, it, it's more nationwide and rural America has been included in on the discussions. Even with the first Affordable Care Act bill that was passed, it was only for populations of 50,000 or more. Well, according to the U.S. Census um, definition of rural, that eliminated rural America. That excluded rural, most of rural America because we had less than 25,000 uh, individuals in the population. So it has... Um, again, as I stated earlier, it has really exacerbated um, problems that we already have here in rural America. It has only highlighted it, uh, those problems. Can you talk a little bit about how rural hospitals, their ability to deal with really sick COVID patients and the burden that it puts on those small community hospitals? So the rural hospitals were already in uh, dire financial strain. As I stated earlier, over the last 10 years, we've had over 130 hospitals to close. Uh, some struggle with making payroll. Some struggle with recruiting physicians. Um, many of them struggle with just getting healthcare providers in the door and not just recruiting, but retaining them as well. 
because a lot of the socioeconomic factors are um, things outside of the hospital spectrum they can control. There's nothing to do for a family in Moultrie. There, there's not a lot of activities that go on in rural America. So those hospitals were already in dire need of getting clinicians. In addition to that, the hospitals have limitations in the number of beds that they have, um, not only just uh, hospital beds, but ICU beds, and there were limitations in the number of ventilators that were available. So you have this hospital that's already in the red, this pandemic occurs. They have a shortage of clinicians and healthcare providers that are there, but that doesn't stop someone that's 30 miles away that's sick from coming there. And now the clinician that is there is overwhelmed. The hospital becomes overburdened. And as I stated earlier, most of our residents in rural America do not have insurance. So who pays for their care? You have to see them, you have to treat them. So how do you get compensated back for the care? Many of the hospitals that are in metropolitan areas, they have the funds uh, that are set up to, to help them when you have an insur uh, non-insured person that comes in. But that's not the same here in rural America. In addition, the hospitals, rural hospitals did not have a lot of PPE nor did they have a lot of ventilators, and most of the equipment in these hospitals are outdated. So they don't have access to those fancy newer equipments because they can't afford to, to um, provide for them, well, to purchase them. So you have hospitals that um, have all of these things going on, and this can have a negative impact on rural communities. Additionally, these hospitals can compete with urban hospitals when it comes to trying to acquire those life-saving supplies. They just can't outbid them. They can't, they can't go to those numbers. And so most of the hospitals um, suffer. And some of them, uh, we will start to see a lot of closures that will occur as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. It's going to have a negative impact on Rural, um, rural hospitals. Additionally, most of these patients, as I stated earlier, they are coming in with comorbidities because they, uh, they haven't went to the doctor. I come, I was born and raised in a rural part of Mississippi. So we did not go to the doctors unless it was absolutely, you had a limb chopped off or a finger missing. That's when you went to the doctor. If it was a cold, it was some type of home remedy that was given to you and that was it. You know, you did, you just did not go to the doctors about anything because of the distance and the cost that was associated with it. We just did not do that at all. So most of the patients that come in, they are sicker and it requires more treatment, and that means that there's an increase in, in the cost that's associated with that patient. Okay. Well, I think you've given us a pretty big overview of how COVID has affected rural communities. Uh, do you have any questions for me? I do have questions for you. What can PCOM South Georgia do to combat the effects of COVID-19 in rural America? 
You know, I, I think our mission is consistent not only with how to combat COVID-19, but how to address the inequities in rural healthcare. I mean, the fact that we're turning out osteopathic physicians in a local rural community that eventually, hopefully, will do their residencies and stay in the community is one way to increase access. It's also to become valued members of the community so that we can help address a lot of the inequities you talked about, that we can become a political force so that we can increase broadband access in rural communities, so that we can help drive financial support for these rural hospitals. Because as you have stated, it's a catch-22. Very difficult to recruit healthcare providers, physicians, ancillary staff if there's no hospital. Most doctors mm -hmm. don't want to go practice where there's no hospital. And a hospital can't survive without physicians that refer into the hospital. So, you know, we, we've got to use our strength politically to help address the rural health care needs and also for us to grow, not only to have the DO program, but whether it be physician's assistant, physical therapist, behavioral health clinicians, whatever we can do so we can increase access for healthcare resources in rural communities will help to address the underlying issues and then to address COVID. Because unfortunately, as you and I know, this will not be the last pandemic that's going to happen in the next 20 to 30 years. So we basically need to strengthen the underlying healthcare infrastructure. And I think that's kind of the best thing that we can do to combat whether it be COVID, SARS, Ebola virus, or whatever the next pandemic is. That's interesting that you mentioned the increase in uh, broadband and all the things that PCOM is doing and the wonderful work that we're doing here in South Georgia. Do you see the effects changing the way physicians practice medicine? You know, I think the challenge that you stated perfectly is a lot of medicine because of COVID has gone to telemedicine. Now, what does telemedicine mean? It means different things to other to people. Is it virtual? Is it computer-based? You know, 30 years ago, telemedicine is your doctor took your call on the weekend, and because your physician knew you very well, managed your situation over the telephone. That's the original telemedicine. It wasn't compensated for, but that was telemedicine. So now, whether it's on your laptop, your desktop, your iPhone, but in areas without broadband, it, it needs, we still need a mechanism to increase access. So I think as much as it may transform urban practice, we, we still need to address those infrastructure needs. I think it'll be part of the healthcare delivery system, but it won't replace traditional face-to-face. -face. And I also think there's two different aspects of telemedicine. One is access to specialists that just don't exist. So, you know, if there's no psychiatrist or there's no neurosurgeon or neurologist, I think it's important to have that infrastructure so that you can provide that service in a remote location. Uh, the other is just for established practices that are now, instead of seeing a patient in the office, we'll see a patient remotely. So I think those are here to stay. So we've just got to build the infrastructure to support that. 
And, you know, I think we need to maintain the osteopathic philosophy, which is a holistic view of how we take care of patients in terms of their socioeconomic status, uh, their educational status, you know, that needs to be in incorporated in how we approach patients. Interesting. So what, what type of impact or what kind of impact do you think osteopathic physicians can have on rural residents at this time during this pandemic? I think they bring a tremendous impact because they're of the ability to treat the whole patient, to deliver high quality primary care, to educate and to be members of their community and understand the specific needs of those patients because they do have specific needs as opposed to urban patients. They do share some similarities from a poverty standpoint, from a diversity standpoint, and we just need to be sensitive to their needs. But to me, the greatest challenge is how do we increase the access? No one has really been able to address the access issues in rural America. I mean, we've had the public health service for 50 years. It, you know, everybody's trying to, you know, uh, medical school debt forgiveness programs to try and draw patient, you know, physicians back to these communities. And they've all met with limited success, quite frankly. You know, we look at, at Moultrie in South Georgia for that region, you know, is another way that really hasn't been attempted all that much. Let's put a medical school in a rural area to have homegrown physicians that will attend medical school, GME in the area, and stay in the area and support the community. So I think that's our greatest opportunity to impact rural healthcare. You're, uh, you're absolutely correct. I agree with you on all of that. Um, PCOM South Georgia is filling a need and filling the gap with producing these conditions that will hopefully stay in the area, as you stated earlier practice in the area so if we recruit we can retain and educate them all in this area and I think even from students that are coming from metropolitan areas they they stay here and they they see the benefit of being in the south and they see the need and um, for those for those students they end up staying as well so um, that's one of the things that attracted me to coming to PCOM South Georgia is the mission of uh, increasing the uh, need for physicians in this rural communities. Because like I said, I grew up in a rural area, and so I understand the need of physicians in that area and in areas like this. So thank you, Dr. J, for bringing PCOM to South Georgia. Well, and, and thank you, Dr. Fairley, for coming to PCOM. And I, <laughs> I want to I thank you for joining us today. The goal for PCOM South Georgia remains as important as ever, to recruit and retain students who will practice medicine in rural areas. In a time when healthcare providers are on the front lines combating the COVID-19 pandemic, we have an obligation to educate and train our future physicians who will soon join them to care for patients, both in rural and urban settings. To listen to past episodes of this podcast, and become a subscriber, visit our SoundCloud page or find us on iTunes by searching Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. I'm Jay Feldstein, and this has been PCOM Perspectives.